welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. All right, let's... um. Let's pray, and I want to get into something for the rest of the time that I think will really be a blessing to all of us here. Father, we're asking for the exact words from heaven by your anointing to come forth boldly and confidently today, bringing healing, building faith, bringing hope, bringing correction where need be. And Lord, we ask for these words to come forth in Jesus' name, by the Holy Spirit, through your servant, Father, thank you for giving us the word of God today. The exact word that we need to hear concerning our life and our future. And Father, we're asking that any other ministry of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Holy Ghost that need to come forth for people, Lord, to receive into their life, let it happen, Lord. For this pastor here is 100% yielded to you. We'll stop, do whatever you say do in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen. Before we actually get into the main thing here, I wanted to give you the four sermon words. (laughs) Okay. Um, A lot of times in church, you're going to be challenged to do something that you won't have time to do. So what do you do when the Lord challenges you to do something that you don't have time or room to do? What do you do? Most people stress out trying to cram it in. They're already overbooked schedule. When what you should be doing is thinking about what should I delete so this is easy? What should I delete so this isn't crowding in? Because most people don't have time to do everything they need to do to live in victory. They're going to have to make room. Everybody say make room. Make room for what, Pastor? Make room for the things of God. Because if you analyze your life, you will find most probably you're involved with a lot of unauthorized business that the Lord never told you to be involved with. So that when the Lord does want you to do something and you try to do it, you think serving the Lord is stressful. That's what the devil wants you to think. No, no. Serving the Lord will set you free. Jesus said, it's my meat. It's my nourishment. It's like a good meal to do the will of him that sent me. The reason it's hard is because people are trying to cram in their already overbooked schedule things the Spirit of God is trying to lead them to do so they and their family can live in higher levels of victory and peace and joy and blessing. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to have to do is analyze your life and say, now just a second, instead of cramming this in, I need to delete some things that the Lord never told me to do in the first place. They're killing my time. They're killing my energy. If I don't delete them, I'll think serving the Lord is stressful. So... My word to you is this. There's coming a time in your life you'll either be forced to make room for the things of God, which I highly recommend you don't wait for that day. I highly recommend you just be a wise person. And by discipline, make room for the things of God now so you're not forced to make room for the things of God later. Hmm? I heard uh, Mrs. Newsom I think Rama uses the book for a textbook on the life of faith, a missionary to Mexico that saw tremendous healing in her own life and, and committed the rest of her life to uh, divine healing teachings and helping people all over Mexico. Um, she said, it came up to a point in my life where I was forced to dive into the word. I was going to die. She had all these diseases, wasn't healthy from her childhood, just never had health at all. And, and she said in her writing, she says, it's a shame that I was forced to receive Jesus as my healer instead of just choosing him as my healer. You know, going to him when I was well, not just waiting till I was on bottom and then looking up. You don't want want to have to be forced to grow in faith. You want to develop. I was asking the Lord recently, a few days ago, Carl and I were talking. I said, Lord, is there a way to grow strong in faith without having to wait for another attack of the devil to stir me up and to prompt me and He says, yeah, there is. It's called spiritual exercise. It's called believing God for things that aren't life-threatening. Believing God for things that, you know, you can build your faith on. You know, it's like 
it would be sad if every time we really developed in faith was only when the devil attacked. How do you think you would like to just go ahead and develop in faith on purpose? Just think of some things in your life that you know it's the will of God that you have and start believing them in. Sowing for them, believing them in, right? Things in your body, things that aren't life-threatening. I just wish sometimes people would take headaches and colds and things like that and start using their faith a little bit more instead of just taking medicine because it's available. Nothing wrong with medicine, okay? It, depending on where you're at, maybe you got your faith on some bigger things and you need to go that route because God will work through medicine too. But you have to watch out about um, not killing the lion and the bear and just waiting for Goliath to show up. <laughs> I mean, it's good to have a few lions and bears under your belt before Goliath shows up. All right. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, bef words before a sermon, <laughs> and this is, I'm saying this because I love you and I care for you and I've been around long enough to realize that some of these things need to be addressed. Um, there's a scripture in Acts 16, 28, where Paul tells a jailer who's about ready to commit suicide and fall on the sword, Paul says to the jailer, do yourself no harm. Y'all remember that portion of scripture? Paul and Silas were just miraculously delivered from jails. The doors just swung open. Their chains fell off by the power of God. And Paul cried with a loud voice saying to the jailer, do yourself no harm for we're all here. In other words, the jailer is going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners escaped. And his higher ups would not dig that. <laughs> and so Paul said, do yourself no harm. And I was thinking about this phrase in the area of suicide. And I know Keith Moore has a little book out on it on do yourself no harm. And it's about People not committing suicide. Don't, do yourself no harm. We talked about how valuable they are, how powerful they are. The will of God in their life is amazing and you know, cutting through all the lies of the devil. But I thought about this in another area. <clears throat> and I was doing a little research the other day. And, and please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to just go crazy down a rabbit hole or a rabbit trail here. But um, I was doing a little research and I thought, you know, there's some other things that just do yourself no harm might apply to. The, NR, the NPR, which is National Public Radio, been around for quite a while, a real honest media group, said about 11 million deaths per year are linked to poor diet. Do yourself no harm. Read some of the labels. Do a little research. Remember your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, there's quick suicide and then there's slow suicide. Uh, one, one article said that a new comprehensive study entitled The Global Burden for Disease was published in medical journal The Lancet revealed that 71.3% of deaths in 2015 were caused by dietary and lifestyle choices. Maybe we ought to heal ourselves <laughs> before we go look into the Lord for healing. Now, now, the reason I said, listen, there's probably not enough healthy food to go around everybody in the world. We're going to have to pray over our food and believe God. Because there's going to be some things that we're not going to be able to change if we want to do the will of God instead of be all caught up with, you know, growing our own organic food in the best soil in the world. And you can get so caught up with that, you forget about going to all the world and preaching the gospel, doing your part in the church. But with a little common sense and a little listening to the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, church, we can avoid a ton of diseases if we'll just take our bodies a little more serious and sacred and start looking to the Lord and quit letting our belly be our God. You know, our where do you want to go to eat? We always look to our belly. Look to your heart where you should go to eat. Maybe it's Garden of Eden. More than you think. Friend, I'm I remember Doc Whitaker saying, he said he got so, so stirred up about this. He just said, I have seen so many people die because he's a doctor, you know, Doc Whitaker. I've seen so many people die, Christian doctor, under my care because of what they put in their mouth. I had to do something about it. See, doctors don't get paid to sit there with you in their office talking to you about preventive medicine like eating well. They get, there's no money in that. It's money when they can sell you prescriptions and drugs, which are great and fine if you need them. It's a money thing. It's a big time money thing. There are answers how people could live longer and live happier, but it don't make no money. You go from trillions to billions, you know, they're going to have to sell their 700,000 square foot home and get a $500,000 square foot home and they don't want to do that. 
They don't want to, they don't want to get rid of a, a, a Gulfstream jet. They like three of them. There's no money in eating well. Smartening up. But I'm telling you, parents, even with your children, there's stuff online. You can see how... To, 22-year-olds who went in the service in some country, I forget what country it was, overseas, the 22-year-olds were being enlisted for service and they did you know, intensive checks on their cholesterol levels and their, high, and their blood pressure. And they said, these 22-year-olds, what's that bad cholesterol L something? LPO? LDO? Um, what is it? LDL. Cholesterol was already beginning in the 22-year-olds not to the point where people are alarmed, but they saw, they think, why has this already started? I mean, I think it's a good idea to do whatever we can to improve our health, right? And maybe use our faith on other things. And then if something does attack you, of course, go to God for divine healing and, and you'll be fine anyway. I just think we need to be a little bit more concerned about what's going in our mouth because your mouth does affect your health. Whether it's words that are coming out or food that's going in, your mouth is totally connected to your health. And can, can I just say this too concerning mental health? People that have mind problems have mouth problems. Are you, are you following me? They have mouth problems in the sense of this. The, the reason people have mind problems is because they're thinking on the wrong thing. They haven't learned to discipline their mind. They don't know about casting down thoughts. Well, here's a really good, good word for you. If you don't like what's on your mind, talk about what you want on your mind because if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. I said, if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. Keep talking your problems and you'll have mental problems. But what if you decide to say right in the midst of all these terrible, awful, depressive thoughts, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I'm coming up, not going down. I'm more than a conqueror. World overcomer. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. His grace is... A, what are you doing? You're changing what's on your mind by speaking words out of your mouth. If it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. So if you've got mind problems, you've got mouth problems. Yeah. Fix your mouth problems, you fix your mind problems. <laughs> okay, better get to the sermon. That was our appetizer. I know we don't have a lot of time, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I know you can go too far in this health thing, uh, and not health thing, but the worldly view only of, of health and all that, but you know what? Paul did tell Timothy, stop drinking that bad water. It's affecting your health. Remember that? It's not easy, especially if you're, just bit, if you're addicted to sweets and salt and... Grease and fat. And <laughs> I was actually asking myself the other day, what, what few little changes can I make in my life to have better health in my life? Less salt, less sugar, less grease. And start eating more of a Mediterranean diet now and then. And if I do eat a pepperoni pizza, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm just going to eat a salad tomorrow to take care of business. Right? <laughs> Get it out before it sticks. <laughs> hey, I love you enough to be embarrassed, so. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy 1, for him that has ears to hear. I want you to start reading in verse 1. Second Timothy 1, 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, because he felt like he wanted to be. Is that what it said? You got to watch out about being something that you want to be. How was Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ? He wanted to follow others that were apostles. He thought it was cool. Come on. How many know you can be something you weren't called to be? Because you have a free will. You can make the business card, have the website. That don't mean God called you to be that. And you have extra stress, unnecessary adversity, and you have uh, dissatisfaction on the inside. It's only being in the will of God that will give you full satisfaction. Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 
according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Let me, let me just say something about this. This was not Paul's physical, natural birth son. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. And I think we need to know that because even in this area of honoring your parents and the Lord and honoring your father and mother, there are spiritual mothers and fathers. We talked a little bit about that. Was it last week, Rachel? Or was it week? Mother's Day was last week? She taught a really good message last week. Need to hear it. Very powerful. I actually got a sermon out of it. Grace will be there when you need it. But um, Paul is saying, Timothy, you're my spiritual son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers, Paul said, with pure conscience. Now, that's a big word right there. One of the reasons Paul was so successful is because nothing was bothering his conscience. That without ceasing, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Um, this too is a, 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 something to mention here. It's not the main sermon, but how many realize it's, it's good to be hooked up with people that are above you and the Lord before you come into a crisis? Because those people are set there to help you through dark times. They're set there to give you words that you can fight with. They're set there to, to believe with you against problems and demons and diseases and things that are coming against you. <clears throat> One of the most sad things is when somebody hits the crisis of life but they have no divine connections in their life that can speak over them, that are praying over them, that are watching over them by night. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament there's a scripture where the Shunammite woman was given a son, you know, from the Lord. Uh, the prophet said, what can I do for you? And she said, nothing. I got everything I need. And somehow his servant found out, oh, she would like a child, but she's really old and her husband's really old. And so Eli Elisha said, well, you're going to have a child. I'm going to bless you. God, God's going to give you a child, even though you're really old. Sure enough, 12 months, uh, nine months later or so, she had a child. And um, that child one day went out to the field and said, Father, my head, my head. I don't know if he had a stroke or what, but he had, he had fallen down and, and the father said, take him to his mother. You don't mess with moms of God. Take him to your, take him to your, take him to his mother. And he's out there in the field, you know, reaping and all this stuff. Take him to his mother. And then she it's a son sitting on her lap and she's just comforting him, holding him, and he dies. Spirit left. So she put his corpse, his body, on the man of God's bed because she built a house or a room on the house for Elisha, the prophet. Every time he passed by, the Elisha had a candlestick, a bed, a chair, you know, all he needed right there, put him on the bed. She just calmly goes out and finds the prophet. And uh, it's real interesting because if she hadn't been hooked with this prophet or a supporter with this prophet, where would she go for help? Yeah. It's good to be a supporter and hooked with people before the evil day comes. So when the evil day comes, you've got people that are above you. They know how to pray. They can give you words of help and joy and faith. And then you're not going through the storm by yourself. You're hooked up. This is why the devil wants you offended at me and me offended at you. And him offended at her and her offended at her and her offended at him. This is why the devil wants churches split because he knows the evil day is going to come. I realize this. We need to look at one another like we are going to desperately need one another someday in our future. Amen. I'm going to need your gift and you're going to need my gift. We better be cool with each other. That's right. Amen. We better quit fighting. And There are some people that are stray sheep right now and I'm praying that they, they get back in the fold because the evil day comes to everybody and you want to be like this when it comes. Many people don't make it physically because of breaking divine connections. Well, let's read on here. Paul said in verse 4, I greatly desire to see you that being mindful of your tears, I may be filled with joy. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which means genuine faith, not false, not pretend. When I call to remembrance, Timothy, the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. 
first of all, notice that Timothy got something from his mom and his grandma that was priceless. Now, it wasn't a brand new car. It wasn't a brand new house. Something way more valuable. Nothing wrong with leaving those things for your kids. That's fine. But there are a lot more important things we should be leaving our kids than money. Has anybody ever realized money can't fix every problem? Right? There are people committing suicide all the time who own islands. You know, their sign, my island, my jet, my mansion, my castle. I mean, the Beatles had it, right? Money can't buy me love. Right? But it's so important, it's so important, parents, to be people of faith so that that's passed on to your kids. Why? Because without faith, they will not overcome the world. They will be smacked here and smacked there and pushed around by disease and fears and bondages and weaknesses and this and that. The best thing you and I can leave to our kids is our faith. Not just faith, not, not just pretend faith, not just saying this and saying that, but doing this and doing that. Paul said, and that's a whole teaching in itself, but Paul said that um, it was uh, an undisguised faith that was in Timothy and that also dwelt in his mother and his grandmother. And that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit here, about real faith. Why would you say not false faith if there wasn't a false faith? Something that looks like faith, smells like faith, sounds like faith, but maybe isn't real faith. See, I think a lot of people have, many have given up on the word of faith. I don't know if you realize there's not, but many people have given up. Paul said, we preach the word of faith. Jesus preached faith. We preach faith in this church. And a lot of people have given up on faith because they thought faith didn't work when they were not really in faith like they thought they were. And I think sometimes we need to slow down and examine exactly what's going on here and go beyond the surface, go beyond what we can see and feel and ask ourselves, what is real faith? If there is a feigned faith, and of course there's an unfeigned faith, then there must be a feigned faith. If there is an unfeigned faith, then there must be a feigned faith. Or why say unfeigned? Why not just say faith? Well, there is a pretend. There is a looks like. There is a sounds like. But it's not really what, it's, what it says it is. You know, I guess a perfect example would be actors, you know, in Hollywood. I mean, <clears throat> we see these actors in Hollywood we think, man, this is a really cool person. I'd like to meet them. Uh, newsflash. They are acting <laughs> they are pretending to be someone they're not. <laughs> oh, I want to meet so-and-so. Oh, they'd be so fun. Uh, actually, they probably want to meet you. <laughs> because they're finding out real quick that their money is not buying what they thought it would buy or giving them what they thought it would give. Well, we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about real faith that gets Real results. Well, I tried that faith stuff and I didn't get any results. Well, how do you know you were really in faith? How do you know you weren't just doing the outward motions or the right confessions or the right this or the right that? And so I thought it would be good for a time just to talk about the real faith. Genuine faith, the Bible says, is another word for unfeigned. Genuine faith. And <clears throat> when, you, when you launch out into prayer or you, you pray a prayer and you don't see the results that the preacher said you could see or that other people said they've seen and you don't see the results, what do you do? Well, you've got two options. Number one, you can say this faith stuff doesn't work and walk away from this most powerful ability that God's given us. Or you can say, I got some learning to do. I got some digging in the word to do. <laughs> You know, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. As you have believed, so be it unto you. Daughter, 
your faith made you whole from this debilitating disease that you couldn't get help from the doctors from. Um, and I, I remember a while back, Kenneth Copeland, I think, I think I heard him personally say this. He said he was preaching one time in a, in a, a convention a long time ago when he was just starting out. And he just got up there and he just said, you know, because a lot of people were saying this faith doesn't work and this and that. He stood up there and said, all right, here's my message. You ready? If you believe it, it'll work. If you don't, it won't. Good night. <laughs> if you believe it, it'll work. If you don't, it won't. Good night. I don't know why we go to, try to go to all these different areas to find out why certain things haven't been happening in our life like they should be when Jesus said, Fear not, only believe, and you'll see the impossible. At the tomb of Lazarus, he told, he told Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus who had just died uh, four days ago, he said, didn't I tell you guys that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Isn't it interesting? He didn't say, he didn't say didn't I tell you that if you'd believe, and of course fast for two weeks, and of course be nicer to the, the poor, and of course, you know, he said, just believe. When Jesus told Jairus, before he raised his 12-year-old daughter from the dead, when the bad report came, he said, don't be afraid of this bad report because I know fear's all over you right now. Only believe and she'll live. She shall live. See, faith always says shall a lot. She shall live. Well, when he said only believe, that's two things. Jesus is saying, only believe. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is believe. But the other thing he's saying is, that's all you better do. Don't try to add to it. Get into works. Yes, that's all you got to do. But number two, don't be trying to do all this other stuff to add to your faith. Which is simply faith in God's goodness, faith in his grace. You have to watch out about doing too much at times. And getting into personal effort as opposed to just totally leaning on his goodness. Sometimes you just got to go to bed and say everything's going to be all right. When doubt and bad reports and death and all kinds of stuff is lingering over you, you just go, ha, ha, ha. Right? God goes, finally, they're asleep. Now I can do something for them. <laughs> finally, they're asleep. They're not trying to do anything. I can now work for them. This is a word for some people here. You need to go to sleep. Get your eight hours sleep and believe that while you're sleeping, he can do what you've been trying to do while you're waking hours. Yeah, I, I remember going in the mechanic shops. I'm sure Glenn probably has seen this sign. I mean, I, I don't know anything about cars except they run really good when I turn the key and put pedal to the middle. But I remember seeing in a lot of mechanic shops a sign that said um, something to the effect of... Um, and I was like, $20 an hour, but if you're watching, we're going to charge you $50 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Giving us your advice and all this and all that. It's like, it's like get. Get out. Let us take care of the car and quit trying to help us do what we're called to do. Yeah. It's like when we start taking hold of the problems, try to fix it ourselves, the Lord goes, okay. Yeah. Same thing with cares and worries. It's like if we hang on to our cares and worries, the Lord says, Okay. I would advise you to cast those cares on me and go to sleep because I care for you and I got the power to fix this. But when he said only believe, see, this is the key. It's like, what is believing? What does he mean only believe? Because, you know, people say, well, um, you know, what do you, when, when you're believing for something, you need to ask yourself specifically, what am I believing for? Well, I'm believing God. I'm believing God. For what? For what? Well, I'm just believing his will will be done. No. <laughs> you got to go to the book and find out what his will is and believe for that thing to be done in your life before you see or feel it. Faith, you know, faith is simply fully persuaded that somebody you know is going to do what they said. You don't wait for the thing to show up to be relieved. Right. You got to get relieved before you see any change Amen. because of your faith in your God and his word. Amen. Glory. 
If you're waiting for a doctor's report to be good before you're relieved, you're not in faith on the report God gave you. You got to get to a point, you know, you got to find out where you're at in faith so you know where to go from here. Right? Just like a map. I mean, we're at the mall. It's like, all right, so there's the store I want to go to, but where, I got to know where I'm at first. You got to know where you're at to get where you want to go. Where are you really at in your faith? You know, I said earlier that if you're really in faith, you say shall and will a lot. You know what I mean? She shall be whole. It shall be even as it was told me. These scriptures shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It is happening. You say that a lot. So what is real faith? What is it? What's some signs of real faith? Well, you say shall a lot. And you're not just saying it because the preacher told you to. It comes out of your own spirit. Um... Real faith, it, it's, it's the child of fellowship with God. True fellowship with God births things in your life, in your heart, in your attitude. True fellowship with God births something in your life, which is different than just copying what somebody else did. Something is birthed in your own heart through time with God, through fellowship with God, that it, nobody could put in you except God and your fellowship with him. True faith in the Lord is faith in someone you know didn't lie to you. And sometimes you have to think about this for a while. You know, just, just sit and think, you know, God, you're real. You're my father. You didn't lie to me. Because see, the devil, he hates it. The devil hates. He absolutely hates more than anything when something from God's goodness shows up in his world. Mm-hmm. He hates that. And he and demons will fight tooth and nail to stop you in your faith project, to hold you back, to get you to quit, to get you to give up, because he hates the goodness of God showing up in the earth realm. Healing, miracle, prosperity, pay off this, pay off that. He hates it and he will fight you. He will bring up a bad report, try to stir up a storm, try to get you discouraged, tell you it doesn't work. Why are you doing this? It's not that important anyway. Heaven's, heaven's great. Why do you have to care about all these physical... <laughs> he will use every bit of logic and reason he can to stop you because the only way and the only one who can stop you from reaching your blessing is you. And he knows it. Yeah. The enemy knows it. I like it. Go to Romans chapter 4. And we'll start wrapping it up here. Romans chapter 4 shows us real faith. Our father Abraham operated in real faith. And he had no books to read. (laughs) No faith books. All he had was time with God. Hearing from him personally. In Romans chapter 4, I want you to notice in verse 17. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, God said, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. Before him, one translation says, like unto him whom Abraham believed, even God who quickens the dead or makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. See, faith counts things done before anything changes because they have a word for it. They have a promise of God for it. One of the hardest things you'll find in your walk with God and and standing in faith till a healing shows up or a miracle shows up is you have to absolutely count it done before it's done. You got to call things. One translation of this verse here says God and Abraham and all of us should operate in this as well. One translation says that Abraham spoke of future events like they already happened. He spoke of few. He said, all right, God, you're changing my name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. I ain't got no kids with Sarah, but you call me a father of many nations, I'm going to call me the father of many nations. Everybody, quit calling me Abram. Start calling me Abraham. Start calling me Abraham. Okay, you crazy old man. 
We'll call you Abraham. You and Sarah are barren. You can't have children. You're 100 years old. She's nine. Keep calling me Abraham because that's what God said I am. He's calling those things which be not as though they were. Are you following me? And it took some time. It took about 25 years. But lo and behold, because they didn't quit and they weren't perfect between the word and the manifestation, they, they, they did some things they shouldn't have done. <laughs> oh, brother. But they didn't quit. They moved forward. They kept believing in the goodness of God. And Abraham's 100 years old. She's 90 years old. Her womb is dead. He can't produce children. They have a baby. But what happened before that? He was calling himself a father of many, father of a multitude, father of a multitude. Here's the interesting thing. If you will stay in faith and not give in to bad reports, not give in to pushes of the devil, not give in to words of professionals, not, if you'll stay in faith, I'm telling you, if you'll stay in faith and not let the calendar or the clock deter you or discourage you, listen very closely, everything will come in line with what you're believing God for in that word that he gave you. I don't, know, I don't know if it was the movie Jumanji or something. I just remember this big whirlwind was going like this and all the stuff was getting sucked up in the whirlwind. Everything around was getting sucked up in the whirlwind. Is that the movie? Is that what it was? Like a tornado. Like a tornado. <laughs> I know one of the things we're saying over Isaac, who is recovering, one of the things we're saying over him and over the atmosphere, we're saying everything in his body, everything in the nurses, everything in the doctors, everything in what they're saying, everything in the reports they type on the computer, everything is coming in line with by Jesus' wounds and bruises, Isaac was healed. Think about that. that. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Everything is coming into line with by Jesus' wounds, Isaac was healed. Everything's coming in line with that. It's so awesome to watch this. It's powerful. The Lord has showed us that everything is coming in line with what you're believing for. Mm. So the next verse, we'll close with this verse. The next verse here, it says, Abraham against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Go ahead and read the next verse. We'll come back to that. And being not weak in faith, because there is such a thing as being weak in faith. It's called considering the natural circumstances above God's word. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Was it there? Was it real? Was it a fact? Yeah, but he wasn't focusing on it. Very important what you focus on. I'm convinced that the thing we need to be on guard for more than anything in this area of winning a faith fight, seeing manifestations of it, I am convinced it's not evil that we need to be on guard for. It's natural stuff. Limited reason, logic that says sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. It's all in God's hand. Leave it all up to Him. All this natural thinking steals more blessings from people than evil. Yeah. Everybody's on guard for evil. Hardly anybody's on guard for being too natural. Yeah. The Bible says to be carnally, naturally minded is death. Yeah. To be spiritually minded or word of God minded is life in peace. And then I read 1 Corinthians 2 where it says, Paul said, the natural man, not the evil man, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. You will find out that natural people, people more involved in the natural realm, only what man is saying, only what professionals are saying, oh, the natural man receives not. And the natural man looks at spiritual people as fools. Man, those fools, they better just rule. You know, they're going to find out that their little crazy Christianity stuff isn't really real. Don't they see the facts? Don't they understand this? And don't they understand that? They go, they're a little foolish. Those little foolish Christians over there just dreaming away in their little fantasy land. That, God said natural people call us foolish because they don't see what we see and they're not believing what we're believing. And obviously God's not real to them because last I checked, nothing was too hard for the Lord. I was reading a testimony in Brother Hagin's book 
um, on tongues beyond the upper room about a missionary in Africa, a really great man of God who started churches everywhere in Africa. And he was talking to this man and this man was relating to Brother Hagin some of the adventures he'd had over there in Africa. And he said, one time we were getting in a boat and we had to sail over the sea to get to another village because they never heard the gospel over there, I think it was. And they were going to go minister to the people over there. And man, did a storm rise up. I mean, like to kill them all. I mean, they knew this was it. The, if we do this, we'll run on the rocks and we'll crash and we'll all die. If we do this, we, we'll miss the island and the storm will take us out anyway. And um, so he actually asked the man of God on the, bo on the boat and says, what do you think we should do? He said, well, what I think we should do is I think we should pray. And we need to believe God. This is recent. I mean, believe God. And so they prayed, and then the, then, the, then the captain of the ship says, so now what? He said, the man of God just said, well, I just say just stick the nose toward the direction the compass says you're supposed to go, and let the boat, just let it go. Just let the boat go. Sometimes you just got to let go. Mm -hmm. You know, when your knuckles are white <laughs> on the steering wheel, you might want to just relax. And all of a sudden, they put the nose of the boat toward the direction it's supposed to go. It lifted up in the air and flew to the harbor and set down perfectly safe in the harbor. Now, they compared some notes because one of the ladies, a supporter of this man in the ministry, she was woke up at 10 o'clock at night with a jolt and she sat right up in bed with a burden to pray. And at 10 o'clock is when the storm hit and they were on the lake, on the sea. And the lady said, I, was, I started praying, but she said, I was so tired because I worked all day long. I just felt so tired. I started slipping back to sleep. She said, I had to get out of bed and get out and shake this sleepiness off. And she prayed for two hours in other tongues. Wow. And she said, after two hours at midnight, she said, a lightness hit me. And I started laughing and the burden was gone. And I started praising God and singing. It's like, whoa, this joy just came out of nowhere. They compared notes at midnight is when the boat was flying through the air and landed in the harbor. She had interceded and prayed for them. That's a miracle. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. She sensed something in her spirit, like this, this death-defying attack of the devil, all of a sudden, <laughs> taken care of. So when he said here, against hope, look at that verse again, against hope, believed in hope. I think it's the verse before that. Who against hope, believed in hope. Here's a real interesting thought I'll leave with you here. All right. There will be times when there is absolutely zero reason in the natural to expect anything good. It is over. Coffin is already shut. Uh, you know, figuratively speaking, it's over. There's no way out. They've exhausted all means. It's over. It's done. Even all your Christian friends decided to say it was over. And you're the only one standing. It's all over. Natural logic says it's over. The laws of nature says it's over. The professionals say it's over. 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 You know what Abraham did? When there is absolutely no reason to expect anything good, he kept expecting something good. <laughs> oh, come on, church. Are you ever going to be in a position where it's over? There's no, nothing in the entire world that says it could, it could still happen. No, no reason to expect any change anymore. What should you do at a time like that? Keep expecting. Yeah. Why? Because God didn't lie. If it's healing, if it's deliverance, if it's strength, if it's wisdom, if it's finances, if it's prosperity, if it's paying off a bill, if it's getting out of debt, he didn't lie. Now, if you don't have scriptures, you will be pushed to and fro. Do you know why we encourage people to read their chapter every day, Monday through Friday? Because you are going to need those scriptures someday in your future. And if they're not in, they can't come out. If they're not in, the Holy Ghost can't remind you of anything. Hmm? I, I sense in my heart, we, we <sighs> I just feel like we need, we, we need to do something about getting more word into the church. Locally here, stuff catered specifically for us. And we're praying about that right now, about things we can do. Um, we've always had Bible school in our heart for years and years and years, but we're getting close to something. We're going to just, we're going to pray about it some more, but we're, we've got to get more word into people. There's just so much that we have to be up on in these last days. And, but true faith 
doesn't care if everything in the natural says it's over. Uh uh, I got scripture. The devil, I, I, I can't, I'm trying to emphasize this as much as I need to. He will do everything in his dark, ugly power to stop you. He'll use reason and logic and well-meaning people and professionals and natural stuff and, and, and stuff that, true, it does happen all the time in the world, but it doesn't have to happen to you. Because you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And you can get to the point where you have fellowship with God so much where you rise up and shall is one of your strongest words now. It shall be even as it was told me. Yeah, but, oh, take your butt and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> B-U-T. Take your butt and go somewhere else. I heard from God. So we'll talk about the real faith some more later. So let's go ahead and stand up. Thank you, Lord. What'd you hear in church today? Pastor said, take your butt and go somewhere else. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, my goodness. What, say, I want you to say this with me because, you know, we need to act on the word immediately. Just, just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. You have given me the measure of faith. The real deal. The real thing. And I'm asking you, help me to see real faith in my own life. Help me to discern between what is faith and what just looks like faith. Show me deeply, Lord, where I can grow, adjust, and develop into higher realm of faith. Father, thank you for making things clear to me. I believe what you said. I rely on your spirit to bring me higher. I'm going to the other side. I'm not going to quit in a faith fight. I'm going to move forward. I believe what you said. You did not lie to me. Your word is true. I focus on things that are not seen. Your word, the Holy Ghost, angels, faith, your integrity, your love. I focus on those things. More than natural things. Natural circumstances? Don't bother me. None of these things move me. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me to stay here as long as I need to. Strong and healthy to do your will in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Now, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never remember a time in your life where you said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe God raised you from the dead. Friend, your time right now is here. Please don't wait another second. Please don't wait another day. Please receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior because that takes, that takes the fear of death out of you which takes torment out of you, which takes bondage out of you, which takes that thing on the inside that just doesn't make life right out of you. If you want to be born again and if you want to know that you know heaven is your home, Jesus is your Lord, the sting of death is no longer there to sting you at that time and you know you're going up and you're not going down and you want to be in the army of uh, the family of God, if you want to be with him forever, then I would like you to pray this prayer with me. I'll lead you in it. You don't have to memorize anything. I'll lead you. It's called the salvation prayer. The Bible says faith without action is dead. So there's some way we need to act our faith. We need to prove it's not just an inward belief that you know, we're ashamed of. No, no, no. We, we, we're not ashamed at all. The Bible says faith without action is dead. So just a simple act of faith. If you'd like to pray this prayer, I'll lead you in this prayer. If you'd like this prayer to count for you, 
as a simple act of living faith. Just raise your hand wherever you're standing. Online, you can raise your hands and the moderator will know what you're doing there if you tell them. Anybody at all want to pray this prayer? Thank you. Anybody else want to raise their hand and join this one that raised their hand? Just raise your hand at this time if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Sometimes people think, well, I'll just be good enough and I'll get to heaven. No, if that was the case, then why did Jesus shed his blood, die on a cross, go to hell and rise from the dead? If being good enough was enough to get you saved. Being good enough is not enough to get anyone saved. You can be a good person, go to church all your life, be nice, give to the poor and still not be saved. Those things are fine and those things are great, but they can't get you saved. So one more time, no one looking around. If you want this prayer to count for you, if you want to know that you know that you know that you know heaven is your home and that Jesus will receive you at your last breath, raise your hand if you want to be born again. Anybody else want to join? Raise your hand. Anybody else? All right, I'm not seeing any other hands. You that raised your hand, I just want you right now at this time just to place your hands on your midsection there and pray this prayer with me. Everyone pray it in support and affirmation of what you've already done. Online, say these words from your heart. Everybody ready? Say this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. With all my heart, you are the Son of God. My Savior and my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I believe it, Lord. It's supernatural. It really happened. And because you live, I will live forever myself. With you in your name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 